This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, listeners, to an episode of Earl Grey Special Edition for Star Trek Las Vegas Convention. I am your host, Amy Nelson, and in person, we get all of us, all your hosts, we have Justin Ozer. Hi, everyone. Good to be here. And nice to know that Joe is taller than me. And Joe Keegan. Hi, everyone. It's funny because like, before I met Justin, I was always wondering how tall he is. So like in my kind of imaginings of being at STLV, I thought he could be like 6'5", giant, or like 4'3". So that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just a regular old guy, I'm, which I'm is like why we love him. Amy, Amy Nelson, did you just call Justin old? No. You, did, you said old? A serious old guy? No. You said old? I said average. And that's An why we love guy. him. No, you said average old guy. Oh my gosh. Who invited him? <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, we have a little something special for you. We uh, recorded our thoughts for the convention and so we're gonna have you listen to that and that's gonna be with all of the wonderful hosts and then come back and we are gonna have a little bit more hashtag still listening welcome to trek fm's star trek las vegas report i'm your host of many hosts zach moore and we have a panel of trek fm hosts with us to discuss and break down what has occurred this year at 2019 Star Trek Las Vegas. Let's go clockwise and introduce ourselves, everyone. I'm Zach Moore, host of Standard Orbit. I'm Justin Ozer, host of Earl Grey and the Line. I'm Mike Schindler, host of Tracks on the Edge and Tracks on the Line or something. I don't know what they are. Something like that. I'm Joe Keegan. I am host of Earl Grey. Hi, this is Ken Tripp, host of Standard Orbit. And this is Amy Nelson, host of Earl Grey and the Edge. All right, so always fun to do these live shows all together when we're all in the same room at the same place and we experience something together. Uh, you know, no Patrick Stewart appearance this year, guys, so not to let you down, but <laughs> that was the high from last year. But we had some cool stuff discussed, and we're just kind of go around and discuss it. So, Amy, let's start with you. I think you've been here the longest because you got here, I think, five years ago and have been and never left. So <laughs> how has uh, SDLV been for you this year? What, what have you experienced? 
Well, one thing that I really wanted to highlight was that we had a fabulous dinner on Friday night. Was that Friday? Yeah. <laughs> the nights sort of all blur together when you're here. And <laughs> so we had a wonderful 32 people show up, uh, took their time out of their uh, convention time to share dinner with us. Uh, we met a lot of listeners and just really had a very good time. So I just really was very honored and touched that uh, we got to meet so many of the listeners here. I absolutely loved uh, Kate Mulgrew and William Shatner's panel, and we had the Triple J, is what I'm calling them, the Jonathan Frakes, Jonathan Del Arco, and Jerry Ryan panel. I'm here for the people, and here we are in the same room, and that's what I love. So there wasn't really any earth-shattering news this year like last year. Mike, Mike what's, your, what's your analysis of that? Yeah, they know that San Diego is the big splash and that uh, the people coming to Vegas are fans who are going to watch this show anyway. So, you know, you got to go for the big splash in San Diego, right? But hey, we're getting, you know, we're recording this before the Lower Decks panel, and I imagine that there's going to be a lot of stuff there because unlike all these other panels where you've got a bunch of actors who are like, I can't say anything. Here you've got 10 writers who also probably can't say anything, but at least they know what's going on, right? Because they're the ones who are creating the stuff. So I think that's going to be cool. Definitely. Actually, before I get started, there is one thing that I wanted to say, which um, has colored my experience here a little bit, um, which is that uh, I live in El Paso, Texas, and yesterday there was a a mass shooting there. It was a big tragedy, affected a lot of us um, in that town. Unfortunately, it'll always be kind of coupled with the experience at uh, at Star Trek Las Vegas. So, you know, I've been here since uh, late Thursday. Um, you know, I've been having a great time, but I had to kind of take a pause yesterday and miss a couple of things because of that. So I just wanted to to mention that because that has been part of my my experience here and, you know, all of our our thoughts are with the people in El Paso and El, uh, Dayton, Ohio, going through this kind of thing. Um, so to get to the Star Trek stuff, though, I do think it's quite likely that we'll get a trailer for Lower Decks today because Mike McMahon's been kind of teasing, like, hey, what should I bring out to this thing? So, And for Lower Decks, it's it's a show that I've gotten kind of progressively more excited about. I love the uh, kind of character reveals that they had and talking about what this show is about. As a half-hour comedy, I was like, I don't know, but I've I've become like more excited about it, and I think that um, that is something that we might get later today as a trailer, and maybe we talk about more. But but yeah, I think that's quite likely, and I also think that that might be the reason there weren't really any big reveals at the Picard panel because they would like the focus to be on what comes out of Lower Decks. You mentioned the Picard panel there, and I think last year that was the big you know lightning rod news of everything. This year, well, to be honest, the, the card panel was fun. You know, Jonathan Frakes is always fun. A little Jerry Ryan was teasing a lot of stuff. We got a lot more from Jonathan Del Arco as, as Hugh. I mean, he's apparently going to be a big part of the show. I had no idea that you and Jerry Ryan were so close and all that. So they all keep it in the board family there. But like you said, Mike, it's like people, like Jonathan Frakes comes out, he's literally wearing a don't ask me anything, I signed an NDA shirt, right? And it's like, yes, they're at this weird point where they filmed everything and they know stuff. And we want to know stuff, but they can't tell us. And it's almost like, well, what can this panel be? Right? I mean, they showed the trailer again, which was cool. Um, but other than that, there really um, was anything big on the Picard front. So, I mean, how cool was it that we got to hear how they kept Jerry Ryan and Jonathan Del Arco like silent 
you know, because they've already filmed, I don't know how many episodes. Seven or eight now, something like that. Yeah, and so they put her, what was she saying, the Harry Potter reference? The... Yeah, so there, there was something that was kind of fun, which is they said they did some um, filming at Universal City Walk. It sounded like while stuff was going on and the public was there and they're behind like some tram of tourists, but Jerry Ryan was talking about having like this huge hood over her head or whatever. So I think that's kind of amazing that nothing got out from that. But she was, there were like little tidbits because I think... Um, it was revealed that the first episode she's in is the first one Jonathan Frakes directs, which is episode three. And uh, she said at one point, my first two episodes, so she's in more than two, which is cool. And it it seems like from the things that Jonathan Del Arco was saying that he is in more than one episode, he's kind of an important part of it. I mean, I don't think these two people are regulars on the show, but it seems like there's stuff going on. And then also uh, Jonathan Frakes was saying that he's re- filming some more stuff as Riker this week. And I thought like, they had that next week as well. Like the interesting thing with Picard is they're doing these blocks of two episodes. So it's kind of like, it, I, don't, I wonder if we're going to get like a little mini two episode mini arcs within this 10 episode arc. So there were like little bits and pieces, nothing huge, no surprise guests or anything, but there were little bits and it was cool just to see the three of them kind of interact together. As far as the two episode at a time thing, uh, that is something that some TV shows do, I think. Like 24 used to do it all the time where they would shoot two at a time. I think it was just kind of more of a scheduling thing than than anything. But it it was interesting that he said that each episode is going to have its own identity. And where everyone else has been talking about how this is going to be like one 10-hour movie, he, I think, misinterpreted that and said it's going to be like 10 one-hour movies. And that seems to be his approach when it comes to directing, even if it's nobody else's. So that's kind of weird. One of the reasons we came back, apart from to see Amy Nelson and meet Justin Ozer, my amazing co-hosts, is to have that experience that we had last year when Patrick Stewart turned up and surprised us all and I couldn't see the stage for tears. Um, Luckily, I managed to film it. Um, So I was kind of disappointed yesterday that we didn't, have some because the rumors that built up around the Picard panel yesterday had me super excited. It was like one of two panels that I've seen all S- all of SLV this year. Um, so I really wanted something big. And if they don't give us something today in terms of lower decks, I think we should send Amy Nelson to go and have a strong word with them. <laughs> that's that's pretty rough, man. Um, calling out the big guns. Yeah, you know, funny. Um, just going back over this <clears throat> this convention holistically, it's 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 been a blast. Starting off with um, the different panels, uh, I was thrilled because it's the 40th anniversary of the motion picture. So I'm, I'm you guys are all talking about the future. I'm stuck in the past, which is probably why I do standard orbit. But <laughs> one of the things that uh, was really really cool was the uh, special effects panel that they had and how they made all that, um, that that whole movie come together from an effects point of view, the pressure they were under, but then the methods. I love learning how things happen and uh, having Doug Tr- Turnbull uh, there. Trumbull, excuse me. He, he did just a, a phenomenal job. There were three other folks up there on the panel, the Akutas and uh, the production manager, yeah, Rex Sternbach. But it really was Doug's show. And um, just his whole history up was, was phenomenal. I didn't catch Kate Mulgrew. I heard she was phenomenal. Uh, I thought the MVPs up until that point were um, Jason Isaacs. He just owned the stage. Now, Anson Mount is an incredible specimen to look at. 
He is not an incredible specimen to listen to. He sounded like Lumberg from The Office. It was just like plotting. Anton Mount is just very relaxed. You know, I mean, if you're if you're in a room and you're tired and you want to sleep, put it, put him on. He's like he's, he's great. Yeah, he's good stuff, but he's just very low energy. And Isaacs came in and bumped it up. I thought a lot. So I'm, it's nothing against Anson Mount. I think he's he's phenomenal as Pike because if there's a Pike show, obviously that would be a standard orbit thing. But um, <laughs> but if um, if you go back, then William Shatner came out and uh, 88 years old and phenomenal. I mean, he's walking back and forth on the stage, sharp. He's going back and forth with the fans, and it was all fun. It was all in fun. He was funny. I thought. I love the way he gets out there and just plugs all the things that he's doing. He's such a salesman, but then got into it. And I thought he also answered some pretty heavy questions in a very respectful way, uh, talking about Nimoy and some of the other things that had come up. So, you know, that that part of it for me was was a lot of fun. So I, I enjoyed that and um, and meeting a lot of the uh, the folks out on the floor, the uh, the the we'll say the talent for lack of a better term. Everybody's very kind here. You can have great conversations with them. But for me, the whole thing has been seeing you guys again and, uh, and meeting uh, Joe and, and, and Justin for the first time personally, and, and then meeting a whole group of folks I didn't know and wound up spending most of my time with them uh, outside the convention. Just just great people. So for me, again, it, it was about the people. It was, it was that din Trek FM dinner we had, hanging out with the Trek Geeks crew, um, and, just, and just the folks. And, and it always um, amazes me because I haven't been to a... Um, a conference in a few years just what this is all about right it is so less about the shows and more about watching all the people from all walks of life doing what they do nobody judging and having a great time I think that's that's what it's all about I give people a lot of credit for that and for those that did the cosplay phenomenal I love the creativity I, I would love to have that uh, ability uh, but I, I was so impressed so for me STLV has been a huge success I think from um, an emotional level, getting you know, kind of reinvigorated in with, with the teams and just meeting uh, great people all around. And, you know, I, I really had a great time here. This year, um, the convention has got a completely different dynamic for me. Um, like, first convention was two years ago, second was last year, and the focus was on meeting the, the guests and going to panels and now I've seen two panels in kind of four days um, and stayed up far too late um, um, which is really interesting um, it wouldn't be right if we did this podcast and didn't mention the name Ria Papa Giorgio purely because she likes the way I say her name <laughs> and the fact that it's been her first convention this year and she said last night we went out for dinner there's a few of us who went out for dinner and she said how special it had been made just by purely by the, the interactions that she's had um, with other fans so and joe why don't you tell us about your cosplay and what you've done i know i'm like super famous now <laughs> um yeah i'm become quickly becoming known as the scant guy so all our cosplay has been scants of various types TNG scans, some disco scans, and some disco mirror universe scans with, yeah, ungodly high stiletto, like thigh high PVC boots that were impossible to walk in, uh, which was good fun yesterday. You know, one other thing that I really, really enjoyed, and it really got to me emotionally, was the Picard exhibit. And it just took me back memory lane, seeing all of the props and some of the things that they created, like 
Picard, the awards and recognitions that he's received, even though they weren't used on screen, right? They were just made for this exhibit and to add context and complete his story. And they had, you know, Stargazer and picture with him and uh, Jack Crusher. And, you know, I was just walking through and, oh, they had the Happy Picard Day poster. Just it really got to me in part because you know, reliving and feeling those memories and, and what Star Trek means to me. But then in this convention where, like we were saying, it's about the people. And so to be going through that experience with fans from everywhere was very, very special. And we put some of the pictures in the official STLV thread on the Babel conference that we have there. Was there a picture of uh, Tom Hardy as Shinzon as a cadet there? I didn't see that, Amy, from Nemesis. That has been erased from the timeline. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that they have in there are all the Dixon Hill novels, which are really cool to look at. By Tracy Torme. Right, which is also very cool. But then on the side, they have a little like description of them, and they're like, oh, these are books, and you know, Picard, like, even though we have pads and stuff like that and Kindles, he still likes to read books on occasion. And all I could think of is, like, if he were around today, he'd be one of those guys listening to vinyl and going to see, like, movies on 35 millimeter. He is such a hipster. Well, they're showing a 70 millimeter Tarantino movie. Got to go to that one, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. (laughs) One of the interesting things about Picard in general is everything is locked in the past. You know, the, the winery, the house. There's no modern amenities in it, even by our standards. The doors. The doors, yeah. It's, it's funny, and it is interesting to me how science fiction often goes back and makes it feel modern. It's, it's a bizarre thing. Um, but, but you're right, Mike. I, I, I love that, that attribute. Um, they kind of hinted at that with Kirk. They never developed him much. You don't know a lot about his past at all compared to Picard. But you do remember in Star Trek Two, he had you know antiques everywhere and things along. So he kind of thought along those lines. But he's living in a high-rise, you know, uh, uh, you know, building overlooking San Francisco. I, I think he was still having a good time. So there is a, a big difference between those two characters. But I, I do love the whole um, uh, Picard kind of uh, background family in that in that reaching into the past. I think a lot of um, uh, great leaders uh, in history, especially military ones. Um, had a fondness for the past because you learn so much from it. And I, I see that, that kind of explorer type of mindset with the way they've they fleshed out this character. They've really done a nice job with him. It'll be fun to explore it further when the show starts. You know, speaking of Picard, because um, that's the big thing we're all looking forward to, I thought it was something interesting that Jonathan Frakes, I believe, said during the panel. He was saying that when Next Gen came out, people were kind of hostile towards it. Like, ah, what are you replacing Kirk, Spock, and McCoy with all these new people for, right? Deep Space Nine was kind of weird, you know, as opposed to, like, what we were, knew of him. Star Trek Voyager, I think everybody was pretty excited about Voyager. I know a lot, a lot of people were like, give us a Captain Sulu show. We still are, right? I remember saying as a 15-year-old kid, Voyager is going to be the best Star Trek show ever. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be the only one where people were, like, all on board for because then Enterprise is like, why are we doing a prequel? And then Discovery says, why are we doing a prequel? And then like Picard 
is arguably like the one that people are like really super excited for. There's not like what are they doing? Wow! Like every like even the announcement, the trailer, the characters. So it's a very you know positive time to be a Star Trek fan because people are really looking forward to this. Is it? I think it's a really uniting thing in the fandom. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. And Ken, you were talking about these science fiction characters in the future thinking about the past because in a certain way, as Star Trek fans, we're taking inspiration from the past as well from this vision that started in in the '60s with Gene Roddenberry and all of that. So. I think it it is interesting because even in our own lives, we look back to things we're inspired by from the past while looking forward to the future. So I think that's really realistic. And it was interesting. Jonathan Frake said that like, hey, I know when all this stuff happened with TNG and Discovery or whatever, people are like, ah. But now with Picard, they're like, yay. I mean, I have seen a couple of people who are like, I'm really not into this. But the vast majority are like, I can't wait to see this show. So that that kind of energy is is really interesting. And also that we're getting all of these different kinds of shows. I mean, I you know, Discovery is different than Picard's going to be, is different than Lower Decks would be, is different than a Nickelodeon show would be, is different than Section 31 would be. So I think it's it's really smart what they're doing. And some people will be into little bits of it. Some people will be into all of it. So it'll just be interesting to see kind of where they go with that. But one thing I want to make sure that I mention is that I saw the panel with our own Aaron Harvey, who hosts Saturday Morning Trek. He got to talk about his official guide to the animated series. And it was great, of course, to see that attention. And the panel was really full. And he had his book here a month early. I got a copy and Aaron sold out. So I just wanted to mention that because it's not just stuff that's that's going on for things that are um, you know, going on in the future or things that people think about a lot, like the original series or, or Next Generation. There was some love for the animated series, which I love, so... Wanted to mention that. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of, not that we need to be legitimized, but kind of legitimizes what we do because we have a fellow podcaster who wrote a book and now it's published and it's officially licensed. Yeah. Yeah, official CBS book. Yeah, he's got the pictures and everything. So, yeah, I, I bought it. Ken bought one as well. A lot of us got his books, and, and it's great to see Aaron have that success because he's worked a long time really hard on that book for a while. So it's, it's good to see that come into fruition. Speaking of books, uh, they also, I mean, this is like the only real news that's come out so far, but... They're doing a uh, three-part Picard miniseries comic followed by a novel. And these things are coming out November, December, January, and February, which means that the show is probably going to drop in February or March, right? I mean, logically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that 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 definitely makes sense. I think, I think we got clues about that. But also, for those of us that do read the, the Star Trek novels, there was quite a bit of news. They announced a lot of the schedule for uh, next year, including two Kelvin timeline books that have been shelved for a really long time so I'm excited about that so we're going to get that more original series books I think they confirmed Kirsten Byers Voyager book is going to come out next year which she's been working on Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on of course you know there have been all of these great novels that have happened in the post-nemesis timeline uh seems like it would be a separate timeline now we're not sure like what's going to happen with that but they're working on it but Star Trek Legends I think they're going to call it right (laughs) You joked about that last year. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it, it's exciting for that because there's all of this this content. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But there's all these shows and there's comics and there's books and like, it's incredible. And I think that now that they have the special like franchise group within CBS for Star Trek, they're thinking about all of this stuff to do and all of these tie-ins. And I've even seen Star Trek shirts like sold in more places like at, you know, coals and different places like that. So they're really trying to expand it, and that's that's been encouraging to see. So I've got a, a couple of questions for you guys. Um, I think it's interesting that with all the new series coming on, 
my thought, I'm going to make a general prediction, see if you agree with this, and I'll make a couple of things. So, first of all, there's been no Quentin Tarantino talk at all, and I think that has a lot to do, you know, with the uh, with the fact that you know CBS and Paramount aren't together. So, between a week to 15 or 16 days after this drops, we will know if there's an agreement in principle for these two companies to come together. So that'll be interesting. And that will change the dynamic of these conventions quite a bit. That's one. But my question is, and I know you'll hit Tarantino in a second, Mike, but following that, here's a question. Do you believe that Section 31 will not go forward and they'll switch it for a Pike series? I believe that will happen. I, I think the I think Section 31 is probably a lot further along than any of us believe if they're talking about rolling right into it after discovery season three i mean they've got to be pretty heavy into pre-production at this point whereas they would in a sense kind of have to start from scratch with pike right i mean they got the short tracks they got the set yeah they got the set that's a big thing right but i mean i don't i mean i think they'll both happen but i think section 31 is going to be first as far as like tarantino trek i mean i think that's going to be one of those things where regardless of what the deal is or what they plan on doing, if Tarantino says, I want to do Star Trek, they're going to be like, okay, here you go. You know, so. I want to see more movie representation at oh, these conventions because yeah. this is CBS covered and licensed by CBS. And so if they have the two, I'd love to see more Kelvin stuff. I want to see more movie stuff. That That's what I'm hoping. We'll know a lot more in a week or two. That would be huge. I mean, you know, I remember the convention in 2015 when you know, Beyond was in production, and there was literally no talk about it at all. And it's like, come on, guys, at least pretend, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it is a really good good point, Ken. I mean, it seems like from everything that we're reading that this CBS, um, well, I guess it's CBS Viacom, really, and Viacom owns Paramount, merger is going to happen unless there's some, like, catastrophic thing. And that could change everything because you could... I hope, get a lot more movies, more Star Trek movies, things based on TV series, I don't know, Discovery movie, Pike movie, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you could get, and that would change the dynamic of the convention where hopefully you would get things about, hey, here are the new series that are coming, and here are the new movies that are coming, and let's talk about the, you know, Kelvin movies that already happened, you know, which hardly happens because you just get a few guests here and there. Um, but I agree with Mike. I think that um, the Section 31 series is going to happen. They're very much invested in it. They very much want to roll into it right after Discovery. I think a Pike series is very likely to also happen because of the short treks, because Alex Kurtzman at Comic-Con said, hey, guys, do you want a Pike series? And as Mike pointed out in previous podcasts, you don't do that unless you really intend on doing that. So I think that, that both can happen. And I think that you know, what, what they've said for the executives at CBS All Access, that they want to have something Star Trek on all the time. It seems like that's what they're aiming toward. Not that they'll have multiple shows on top of each other, but they'll have like, here's the show for this quarter and then the next quarter and then the next one. So you might have three to four like every year. And I think as, as Mike and I had talked about before, it seems like the strategy might be to have three seasons of each show and then kind of roll into the next one based on all the stuff that they've said. So you might get three seasons of Discovery and then Section 31 starts. You might get three seasons of Picard and maybe there's something else. You might get three seasons of Pike and then something else. So I think they intend to like do all of that. So I think both will happen, most likely. If it's got um, the Star Trek label on it, you know I'm going to watch it. But if there's any opportunity for us to have more Anson Mount, and Ethan Peck, then yeah, I would, I want, I want that now. 
need that in my life. Well, one thing I wanted to ask, like you were saying that Section 31 is going to come, like I sort of felt like it's going to be Picard, then an animated, then... Well, no, I was going to say, like, based on everything that, that we know and what's in production, I think it's likely you'll get Picard, then you'll get Season 3 of Discovery, then you'll get Lower Decks, then after that, maybe Section 31 or something else. But, I mean, they've started shooting for, for Discovery about a couple months behind the start of shooting for Picard, so I think it's very likely that comes right after Picard. I disagree with that okay. timeline. I think it's going to be Picard, Lower Decks, Discovery for two reasons but, but why 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 lower, lower decks is animated so why block off amount of time for that couldn't that be something that that's concurrent with something else like if they so were gonna, they they don't gonna do it if, if they can get people to sign up for th- you know three extra months of cbs <laughs> all access they're gonna do that you well, know? I, I follow you. they're not gonna give people two star trek shows at the same time i think lower decks is pretty far along for two reasons one um on her podcast uh tawny newsom i think accidentally said that it's going to start in summer of 2020 so that that doesn't leave much gap between you know but also um our friend nick who works in animation has said that for these types of shows they're done like a year in advance right so like lower decks is probably like ready to go and you know they're still shooting discovery so it's going to be an interesting path. So I, I think um, be watching the news very closely to see any hints or, or whatnot with uh, CBS and Viacom. The other thing that's interesting is there is no CEO at CBS. So they, they've kind of kept that open on purpose, you know, while these deals come because it's just one less thing you have to argue with. So it could be even another direction that comes with a new leader. It's funny. And it all comes down to the bottom line. So getting those subscribers in, the timelines that you guys just illustrated, I wasn't even thinking about that. And that makes a lot of sense to have something running every quarter as a competitiveness now for streaming with Disney coming. Netflix is dying. I mean, as far as financially, it's, it's quite a battle. So Star Trek could literally rise up and, and keep CBS all access running for a long time, or it could financially drain it. It depends. It's going to be very fascinating because these are so expensive. I think the other thing that hasn't been highlighted as much, but I've seen in some of these news reports about the merger is they're not going to just end with that, like CBS and Viacom. They're going to look for others to merge with. I think some names were thrown out there like Discovery and some other like companies because Discovery Channel. Yeah, not like Star Trek Discovery, but like the the company that owns Discovery Channel because even CBS and Viacom together are so much smaller than, you know, Disney or all of the other ones they have to compete with out there. So I think they're going to look at continually like merging with others to become like a bigger media powerhouse. And it'll be interesting to see how that might change the dynamic of what happens with Star Trek as well. If this comes together, you heard it first, keep your eyes on Sprint. Pulling what AT&T did. So I have Sprint. Is that good or bad for me? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you can download for free. All right. I get Hulu for free from Sprint. But uh, but to, to real, jump back real quick and answer your question, I, I don't know. This Section 31, it's an odd duck because they, they, they announced it like a long time ago. And then since then, Picard has, has let the world on fire. Anson Mount has let the world on fire to Pike. People want that. Like that has dropped to the very bottom of the radar and the interest list, you know. Although they've set it up, they have the set for the for that ship. They have Michelle Yeoh. They have Tyler. You know he's in charge now. So they have the the, the Klingon. All the stuff left over from the, from Discovery from the twenty third century. They'll pick that back up in that show. 
So, but we'll see where we are in two years. It could be like, remember when DC Comics announced that panel with all the with all the movies for the next five years? We got about half of those movies. So I'm not saying it's a similar deal, but, the, you know, they're going to look at a lot of factors when it comes time to actually start production, I think. It's true it's, it's lower on what people are thinking about, but that's partly because CBS has chosen to really push these other things that are actually in production where they have trailers and they have things that are, that are going on. Um, I, I think that the Section 31 series certainly won't be like what everybody wants to see, but there'll be a cert- there'll be people like us who just watch everything. But there will be some people that will take a specific like real interest in that. And I, I do really think it's going to happen. I do think they didn't anticipate that people would much more want like a Pike series than anything else. So they were kind of taken aback by that. But I really do think that they'll do both. We'll see if I'm wrong. Well, and then also I think season two of Discovery turned into such a Section 31 show. People are like, all right. We're good with that for now. Like I think it was people didn't expect that much, and so they're kind of that that thirst has been quenched for that for now anyway. We'll be more, and then and then they have to figure out how to get Michelle Yeoh back. That's what I think for season three of Discovery. She's going to be like like a, like a Doctor Smith on Lost in Space, kind of doing her own agenda mm-hmm. and find a way back by herself. And that's really the only way to do it because yeah. this, Discovery can't not go back to the 23rd century because they've they've really closed the book no, on that. And, they, and they've said they're, yeah. they've said they're not really going to take Discovery back to the 23rd century. But Michelle Yeoh, I don't know, find some like time, time yeah, or or like some wormhole or something that sends her back, or some reason why she might want to engineer something to go back or whatever. Who are the time crystals? Yeah, time crystals. That's the answer to everything. I would, if I had a time crystal, I would go back and give myself more sleep at the moment. It's interesting because, as a kind of an external observer to the US, I know nothing about mergers in Viacom and whoever that is. Um, so, is there a risk that if companies keep merging and become like? become big enough to compete with likes of Disney that it could dilute the Star Trek brand. I I think that um I mean that's always a possibility, but I think it's unlikely because actually when they've been talking about these merger this merger, one of the things that's been a motivating factor is actually keeping Star Trek together and putting Star Trek back together actually for the movies and and the the TV series. Um and and I think that so far at least they've recognized that for star trek they need to try to have people involved that uh that have some familiarity with star trek or star trek fans of course it's a mix like some are some aren't that's how it's been for you know every show since after the original series but i think that's possible but i think it's unlikely because i think they've gotten success with doing what they're doing and i i don't think that it'll it'll be something that'll like dilute it or make it so that we're just like this isn't it anymore but yeah i, I think what what's interesting is if um and and i recommend we, we, we've got to do two things and my first recommendation is listen to the investor calls every quarter for for cbs and listen to the ones for viacom they're i have tre- i have trekcore do that for me yeah and i and i read their reports on it <laughs> it's it's pretty good well just listening live is pretty cool yeah uh we, we do it all the time for our company so i know how it works and one of the things that, um, you know, it's a quarter-to-quarter business, okay? That's the, every company in the world is quarter-to-quarter. And if you have one Star Trek series and many, many of the subscribers then cancel and pop back up, so they show a growth and a decline, a growth and decline, companies can't stand that. So it makes a lot of sense what you guys laid out about having that quarter-to-quarter-quarter show so the subscriptions first stay steady. And then they could build other shows outside of Star Trek. So that forms the foundation for stability, and companies love stability. So that's one. So that's a good thing to kind of pay attention to. The other thing I think we could do as a group, there's six of us, yeah, 
Let's go. Shazad's got to be in section thirty-one. She, he's here. Let's get him. Let's find out. Let's let's just let's just bring him up to the room and tell ask us what he knows. You know. He did just give an interview uh, with someone uh, I think last week where he pretty much said yeah that he is in the show, but he also he also like really downplayed it like well it's gonna be we gotta get schedules to line up and everything and all of the producers are like we're going right now you know so I think I don't know. I mean, They've been working on writing the thing for a while for Section 31, right? So, yeah. So is there anything else from the convention anybody else wants to mention? Amy, were you at the Kate Mulgrew panel? I really put her at the same level as William Shatner. I mean, she's so eloquent. She's so deep and prolific. Like, she can speak so well. Puts us to shame. She interacts with the fans. She... I think is wise. She gives good counsel and just from her perspective. So it was very empowering, enlightening. She, she just did an amazing job. And, you know, I, I love my captain Picard, but I mean, as far as captains go, like Kate Mulgrew, she's, she's up there for me now. And I think with seven and nine being in Picard, Voyager is going to get a lot more spotlight on. It. Like I'll probably rewatch it. I haven't watched Voyager in a while, so I'll probably take a look at that. So that's that all goes together. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'd love to see Janeway and Picard, or actually anybody. There's potential for so much crossover with stuff in the 24th century. But there is one thing I wanted to mention that was one of the most impressive things I have ever seen. In Quarks, there was this huge model of the Enterprise E. Mm that was so phenomenal and like handcrafted parts, hand-shaped stuff, like no machinery that they worked on, thousands of hours of work, I, I think these guys from from Germany did. And it was on display and it was, I don't know, several feet long at least. And it was just like one of the most amazing things I have ever seen. And I wanted to make sure to, to we talked about that. J- Justin, I have a question for you. Did it have 24 or 29 decks? You know, I I didn't notice. I think... <laughs> The Enterprise E does have several secret decks. Yeah. But. <laughs> could you get a picture of Joe next to the Enterprise E so we could just keep Justin in complete amazement? For- <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I don't think we mentioned it, but Joe, you some of those your costumes you made yourself. I think what is most impressive um, about me, uh, <laughs> um, I only learned to sew last summer. Um, so being a teacher, you get seven weeks off, or Amy Nelson gets like three months off and travels the U.S. every summer. Um, but yeah, I thought I'd, every summer I like to kind of keep myself busy and give myself new challenges. And last summer it was to sew. Didn't even have a sewing machine, so I had to borrow my mom's. Um, and didn't, no, I knew nothing about it, so it's been a huge challenge, especially with the Discovery uh, costumes. Uh, and nobody's ever obviously made a Discovery scant before, so you have to kind of take it apart and kind of reconstruct it and figure out how to make two-dimensional shapes. And you were making that before we saw season two on Non, right? I, I invented it. I have tweeted Gersha Phillips, the Discovery costume designer. I will quit teaching and move to Toronto if she... <laughs> I will get her coffee if she needs. I just <laughs> need to learn. She can be my... I can be her Padawan, yeah. You know, one other thing that they started last year, I think they only had three, like, teaching Trek panels, and that was more of... You know, educational, more, you know, getting in line and in into the philosophy or stuff like that. There was teaching Trek every single day. I don't, I don't 
remember how many panels there were, but they were so amazing. One of them was looking at uh, looking at the Klingons, and they went through all the series, you know, and what that means for our social and moral situations here. I mean, each of the panels that I went to, even just for a little bit, I learned so much, and I was so grateful that they're getting more of the science involved in the education. I mean, there was Trek and STEM, and just really amazing. So I'm looking forward and hoping that they will continue getting more of that educational, intellectual side into the convention as well. It was really interesting yesterday. The, um, it was a panel with the NASA JPL scientists um, and the number of kids that were there and got up to ask questions. So it was, it was about inspiring future generations to go into STEM and um, or see the links with real life science and Star Trek, which I found really interesting. The other one um, from a few days ago was Dr. Erin McDonald on the physics of Star Trek specifically. Um, and it turns out, I spoke to her afterwards, it turns out we both went to Glasgow University. She's, she's from the US, but she um, went and lived in Glasgow for a while, so it was really nice to kind of meet up. It's a pretty neat connection. And this is not <clears throat> me being a wise-ass, because I know I'm known for that, but seriously, is there anything that you'd like to see taught? And is there anything you think you could teach with your math background, statistics, all that other stuff that would relate to Star Trek? Because I think that would be kind of neat if you could pull that off. Yeah, I was very impressed by the number of, you know, presenters that were like, well, I teach a course about Star Trek. And I'm like, man, how, how do I get this gig? <laughs> but he was teaching, I think, uh, over in Asia. I can't remember, somewhere over there. And it seemed like it wasn't U.S.-centered, even though I have come across a lot of teachers. And I insert Trek anecdotes into my teaching, but... Uh, it, it was very, very impressive, like relating some of the science and just sort of, like you were saying, the inspiration, the what can we look forward to, even if it's just getting your head out of the books and using your imagination to see what's there. And I think Trek does that brilliant. I was just going to say, speaking of like impressive stuff that we've seen, did you guys see that music video that won the uh, contest? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank, thank you, Mike. My wife Rosie Varela submitted a music video set to original music uh, from her band, uh, which is called Something Something Sound System. And they did this video, Hurricane, and it won the contest. So we were there, and we were kind of in shock. And um, can you, Justin, can you not remember the name of the band? I already said it. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, something, I get something. It. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a joke, but something, something sound system. Anyway, so that's my wife and uh, and two people, Ross and Sebastian in El Paso, who do an amazing job with their music. So it was set to an original song, and um, she edited together footage from uh, season one of Discovery, specifically Stamets's Spore Jumps, and I think it was really impressive, and I'm glad that it won, and some of you got to see it in the hall, but. Thank you for mentioning that, Mike. <laughs> like, why didn't we have her do the music for uh, the line, you know? Come on, seriously. So as we kind of wrap it up here, you know, at the end of every convention, it's always like, what what did you like best? What do you think has the most room for improvement for next year? Uh, because, you know, I, I went, the, my first con was 2016 here, and uh, my first start at Las Vegas, and I was like, okay, I'll come back to this, like, every five years or something, whatever. And so I didn't go in 2017. I was like, man. I, I really want to go, so I so I so I I missed it, and I came back um, last year, and I came back this year, 
And I, I'm seriously considering keep keep coming back. I'm not sure what my schedule is going to be, but it's just so much fun to see all your guys and hang out and and uh, you know, like Joe was saying, like it's it's you, you do the panels and you see the people like the first time. And then after that, it's more about hey, where what are we doing next? Where where can I see you? What are what are our plans even outside the convention? So um, there's a lot of intangibles there. But anyway, all that to say, uh, I'll pass the mic around and we and we can kind of say like what was your favorite thing and then and what would you like to see maybe you know improve from Creations Front, for example, uh, for next year's con or the future cons. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always great to to be here at STLV and see all of the people that you don't get a chance to see the rest of the year. And, you know, some of the panels are great and things that happen that are great. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I could definitely tell you last year the favorite thing was seeing Patrick Stewart come out. But for this for this year, maybe it's 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 a it's a little bit it's a little bit harder. And as I was thinking about it, I thought it seemed like last year there were actually some more panels and more things that were going on. Like they had the screening of Far Beyond the Stars. They didn't have a screening of like an episode like that. And they, some they of the... They did Trials and Tribulations. They did Trials yeah. and Tribulations? I must have missed that. Okay, well, forget that. <laughs> it was early in the morning. I wasn't awake. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to say because a lot of it was great. I have to say that motion picture panel with Douglas Trumbull talking about the special effects and how it was done was a real highlight because he is a legend and you were getting to hear him talk about how he did this and how he did things in 2001, which is such an amazing classic, one of my favorite movies. So that was probably a highlight, just hearing the knowledge from this guy who is just like a wizard <laughs> at so many things. So that that was probably a highlight. I mean, I, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I, just want something that's like a big surprise like we have with Patrick Stewart last year. That's the only thing that I'd say like that needs to be improved. We need to have like some giant thing. Unless for some reason at the Lower Decks panel there's some like big surprise and like, I don't know, Kate Mulgrew and Avery Brooks are doing voices for it or some yeah, something Brooks, amazing yeah. like that. That would be that would be the biggest shocker ever. But but anyway, no, it's 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 just a great thing and you know, I think we'd encourage you listeners to join us here when you can. Yeah, the panel that I'm still looking forward to the most is the lower decks panel, and I, I, yeah, even if there are no reveals, I think that'll be very interesting. Kind of speaking to that in terms of improvement, like I totally get that actors are the face of the franchise, and that's what everyone wants to see, and all that stuff. But I really do think that if they were to get more behind the scenes people involved, you know, writers and directors and stuff that that would really be way more interesting. I mean, for everybody, when you look at the questions which are being asked of the actors, they're all questions which are for the writers. So let's get the writers in there, you know? I mean, yeah, it's not going to be a huge draw for people, but it's going to be way more interesting, I think. Let's get writers and actors together on it. Yeah, get writers and actors together. Yeah. Play off each other well. Like writers can help actors remember stuff. Like, oh yeah, I remember that now. Like you can jog the memory. And there's there, there's a good balance between like Jonathan Frakes goofing around, and then like somebody like Ronald D. Moore. He's like, well, you know, Picard. You got to understand. You know, it's, it's yeah. I'm totally with you. Two things that'd be my favorite. Amy mentioned it. The the more panels with um, teaching with Trek. I think that's really important. Also, Justin, you mentioned the Scratch Belt Enterprise E, which like is utterly phenomenal. I think it's just made out of EVA foam and cardboard. Yeah, it's ridiculously good. Um, one thing I missed was the Inquarks Bar, the episodes that were on a loop, and you could just sit down, eat your lunch, and watch Star Trek episodes, and they've replaced it with some ad for 
some Star Trek oh, man, yeah. gaming. Machine. <laughs> yeah, which you can't even play. Yeah, that was lame. Yeah, like not completely. that like like Star Trek is all in my head anyway, but it's just nice to have it around on the screen. It feels like com- comfort, you know. And it's like, what is this advertisement now? I like, just where's my episodes? One hundred percent. I watched Gambit for the first time like five years last year <laughs> on the screen there at lunch. And you know, o- overall, I thought um, they did a great job putting the convention together. I, I can't think of anything that um, I was disappointed in not seeing because I. I understand the dynamic with CBS and Viacom, so I really do want to see the movies get more love uh, as we go forward, just because I like that stuff, Um, but that's just a personal thing for me. What I think is really going to be interesting as a dynamic, though, as you go into the vendor's room, still quite a few vendors there, but with each new series comes another 10, 12, 15 actors, right? And it was amazing to me to see, you know, the Enterprise guys, the Deep Space Nine guys, those old, they're kind of getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And some of the, you know, they have some actors who, you know, played a scene and a role and, and they're, you know, Corbin Burnson. Yeah, some other Burnson. Yeah, I yeah. love Corbin Burnson. Yeah, dude, you were in one scene 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, and he's great, you know, but I mean, I, I'm just saying it's just interesting. So you're going to see, I think, as these, as these go on, so many more of these autograph selfie stations with all these folks and i was talking to one of the new cast members on discovery just uh, shaking his hand saying congratulations on the gig this is great no matter where the show goes you've got a place to go for life he said yeah it's like a a great family here so you're going to see that a lot and it's it's going to be much more actor-based i think even going forward because you've got all these series taking off so i think it's fun by the way but i do kind of felt like in the 80s when they were talking about next generation there was a lot of negative press and a lot of it forwarded by the original cast because they were worried about these folks taking their livelihood away from them and it was just an interesting dynamic you know and as as this starts to grow it's it's going to be interesting to start see that transition where it's going to be kind of out with the old and you know and and because of picard it'll keep that cast around but a lot of those folks they're not going to get the money or the income they used to get it's just interesting it's interesting you say that because there is like a whole wall for Discovery now, and then next year you might have one for Picard or Section Thirty One or Lower Decks. It almost seems like they have the at some point they might have to have a separate like vendors room and like a place actors to see room. actors, right? Yeah, and, they, and, they, and they, that's what they did for the fiftieth, actually. Right. That's what they did. Yeah, the actors have their own room, and then the vendors have their own room, so they might have to go back to that. Yeah. Well, one thing that again, Creation did a great job. I. Like you were saying, walking down the halls, hearing the different music playing and the big storyboard things and, you know, photo opportunities, backdrops and everything. Um, But with going back to the teaching trek, sorry, I'm always going back to that. But, you know, they started it last year. Every single time I went to the teaching trek last year, it was cram packed. And they did open up a new theater, the CBS All Access Theater, which is in Quark's Bar. So it's in a place where everyone's talking, eating lunch, and you're trying to have a panel or a presentation, which to me does not warrant that to be there. Like you, you have a huge convention center and you've got a theater, a stage where you're presenting. Anyway, so that annoyed me. And then, (laughs) but again, all the seats were filled every time there was a teaching trek, which I think is why they increased it to 10 presentations this year. But I went every single time I could barely find a seat. It's standing room only. And then I would go to the Kelly Theater 
it was empty. And I'm like, I don't think I've even been in that at all <laughs> this time. So I, I don't understand why they haven't said, oh, there's tons of people going to the CBS All Access on these panels. There's no one going. The Kelly Theater is empty. They need to switch them. They need to figure out and realize their who their clients and customers are is that we want this educational intellectual discussion in a worthy stage and theater. One thing about those rooms that, um, like the Kelly theaters, the CBS All Access and Quarks, it's all it's just one big room, and there's partitions up, so there's nothing to stop them putting a partition up between the cafe area and the CBS All Access area. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess for me, it, it's interesting. I have I have no perspective on what it was like here before the 50th anniversary. And, of course, that was the biggest one, and it probably will be for a long time. You know, when I came last year, I was like, oh, wow, it's 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 not as big as it was on the 50th to be expected. This year, I think it was about it was probably about the same as last year. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to see. I mean, we're talking about rooms and things like that. I did, I did notice the Guardian Forever was not here. I missed oh, that. Sure, yeah. I got a good foot off that last year. Good thing I did, because it's not forever after all. <laughs> uh, sitting on that one. But <laughs> random just observation was like, you know, they had all these banners because it's actually a lot of fun to stay uh, to the end of the day Sunday because they have this um, auction about all the like banners and signs and things of that nature. And uh, I noticed there weren't any banners this year, just more stand ups like cardboard stand ups. So I guess that's cheaper to do, which is fun. I don't care. It's just an interesting observation. But I think with with the new shows, Picard has people excited. We have lower decks. We have more shows coming. Uh, I think that will like be a good shot in the arm to for continue for people to come here because you're not because you know before the 50th and and then you know the, the Kelvin timeline is paramount those people weren't coming here for that so it was just probably on a downward trend you know but now we're on an upward trend and hopefully that'll continue and that's great so so here's to you know ten more years of them doing it in here and and yeah so for me uh, my favorite thing this year was probably the uh, Jason Isaacs and Anson Mount because uh, like like Ken said earlier Anson Mount. Uh, very thoughtful guy, uh, much like Pike, right? Very introspective, thoughtful guy. Very, very low energy though when it comes to answers. Not very quick. And then Jason Isaac came out there. Boom! Electricity. Doing them together like a comedy act. I love that. Yeah, they need they, they need each other. But yeah, we need a Pike and Lorca show together. Is what we need. And then William Shatner's panel. I mean, he's 88. He killed it. He's a lifelong entertainer, and he entertained as always. And so that was great, funny and serious stuff that he he mentioned. So the, so those are those are my highlights. And of course, seeing all you guys again. So. Um, so yeah, I mean that's gonna do it for our for our coverage of of this week's uh, this month this year's Star Trek Las Vegas 2019. Do we need to tell people who we are? Do people? I mean, they really we should are, know yeah, who you, we you are. Know. I mean, who we are. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, come on, who are you? If you're gonna listen to this, you know who we are. But yeah, so we got Zach, Justin, Mike, Joe, Ken, and Amy over here. You can hear us all on Standard Orbit or on Earl Grey or on the many projects that Mike does. <laughs> Outside of the network, but specifically coming up on uh, tracks from the line. So the tracks from the line and tracks from the edge. I, I host the edge also. And Amy also hosts the edge. So you can hear her over there. So maybe we don't know who we are. But anyway, <laughs> thank you guys so much for all your support. We love seeing you guys out here at Star Trek Las Vegas. Keep coming. We love interacting with you. Thank you for your uh, for your listening. Because without you, we're just sitting here in a room talking to ourselves. So until next year at Star Trek Las Vegas, live long and prosper. All right, guys, we just finished Sunday's panels, and they were pretty awesome. A lot of discovery, and we had some short treks, and so... Did we get those lower decks? 
Oh, sorry. Yeah. Lower decks. So sorry. So many. <laughs> so much going on. Yeah. Lower decks. And so just wanted to know what was your thoughts about what we heard. And let's start with you, Joe. Well, from what I caught today, I caught the discovery panel with Ken Mitchell and Mary Chifo and also Jane Brooke that Jason Isaacs turned up to, which was quite awesome. Um, yeah, what gets me about the Discovery cast is that they're all really invested. It seems like they're all true Star Trek fans and that it just comes across that they're just really naturally a family of people that have the great opportunity to work together. Um, so there was that. Um, I caught a bit of the Sonequa panel um, and she's just, she's a force of nature. Yeah, there's something about her. She's got a unique presence, um, which you don't get with a lot of people. So that was cool. Um, my brain is like comprised purely of like what we call candy floss. You guys call cotton candy, yeah. Um, and that Amy Nelson and I have had like barely any sleep over the past few days. Listeners probably thought that Amy Nelson was like. Kind of a really a wholesome um, <laughs> human being, but don't spoil my image. She's not. Let me tell you, yeah, she's awesome to hang about with. So if you haven't been to STOV before, come visit. It'll be awesome. So real quick, um, on that discovery panel, I was very, like you said, Joe, impressed with just the presence that they have on stage, uh, especially Sonequa, but. You know, when Jason and Ken Mitchell, you know, that panel, like Ken Mitchell got really emotional, mm -hmm. you know, and they were talking about, you know, the fans and what it means to join the, the family, the Trek family again. It just was very touching and moving. And I, Ken Mitchell is really talented. He got up and was doing all these different voices and impersonations and just went on and on and was totally given Jason Isaacs a fabulous time. I actually thought, my, yeah, I I'd, I'd, had maybe had some kind of brain seizure at that point through sleep deprivation because I was like, what's happening? Is this actually happening or was it some kind of hallucination? It turned out it was real because other people experienced it. Yeah, so, Justin? Yeah, I just want to say first for anybody listening, it's not everybody here that gets no sleep, like these people that party, <laughs> Amy and Joe. I tend not to go to parties. I actually got, I've gotten more sleep than I usually do at home. But <laughs> anyway, so I only was able to get to a couple of panels today. So first about the Discovery panels, the one with Jane Brooke and Kenneth Mitchell and... Uh, Mary Chifo and Jason Isaacs was fantastic. I mean, they were talking about what discoveries meant to them. Ken Mitchell did get very emotionally broke down and, and cried about what discoveries meant to him. He also joked that he's after Jeffrey Combs for playing more characters, which is cool because he's played, what, three so far. Um, but and, and of course, Jason Isaacs is always great. But what struck me also within that panel was that they were talking about how amazing Sonequa Martin-Green is. And this is a constant thing that we've heard at these discovery panels she's the leader she's like the amazing like big-hearted person that that like kind of holds everything together so i'm just curious because i wasn't able to see the the panel with sonequa martin green or the one that had 
Doug Jones, Mary Wiseman, and a few others, what you guys thought about those. Yeah, that one was Wilson Cruz, Anthony Rapp, Doug Jones, Mary Wiseman, Wiseman, and Shazad Latif. Yeah. And it was, again, so awesome to hear them talking about how they've created a family and, you know, that they say that they film up in Toronto and so they're just there, they're focused and they support each other and what Sonequa does to foster that amazing family feel totally shines through. Um, Part of the panel, sorry to go back to Jason Isaacs, he just was amazing, but they were talking about like, how do you prepare to, you know, deliver your performance? And Jason Isaacs was like, and and uh, Jane Brooke were saying you look into the eyes, you have a mutual respect for who you're working with, and you act off of each other. And you can tell that because it just shines through in their acting and their performances. The thing, again, with Jason Isaacs is that he's got this really clever ability to kind of switch between levity and gravitas um, really intelligently. Because obviously... He can come across as a bit of a joker sometimes, um, just to get the audience up. But then, obviously, when Ken Mitchell had his kind of yeah, um, kind of Jason Isaacs dealt with that really um, sensitively, which I thought was really nice. Um, the Sonequa panel, I caught maybe about twenty, thirty minutes of it. Um, there's some, there is something about her. Like, you really have to think about what she's saying. And it's evident that she really thinks about what she's saying, like, off the cuff. Like, I I, I don't, my brain doesn't work that way. Like, I have to go away and think about things and come back and we'll still stutter and stumble. I know, but I, like, I'm winging it and I've had some, I've, I've got a James T. Kirk going, so <laughs> it's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, she, as I said earlier, like, I'm totally impressed with Kate Mulgrew. Kate Mulgrew and Sonique was just right up there, very brilliant and intelligent. And it was interesting that uh, Sonique was first going into psychology um, before going into acting, and how she says that that is completely similar. You know, you look at the psychology of your character, try and figure it out, and then act it. So uh, that was very interesting. Going back to uh, the panel with. Everyone, Doug Jones. Oh, they had the. It was a great Saru cosplay, and yes, with the hoof boots. And so he actually got to come up on stage, and you know, Doug Jones did his amazing Saru swagger and explained how that came about. Which we've heard the stories before, but you know, that's why we here because we hear the stories over and over again and still love it. Um, and it there was uh, they each told us some books that we think that we should read. We had a, you know, when they opened it up to questions. Uh, so that was interesting, you know, that they're all reading and that they're all intelli- intelligent. Um, I just thought it was really good. Wilson Cruz did, we had a moment of silence for the shooting in El Paso. Um, and he gave a few words about that. Um, just, and yeah, it was a really good panel. I was trying to say it was Nice that they didn't really talk too much. I mean, because we already know the story about Discovery. That was one thing about the Sonequa Martin Green panel. The what's the guy who's leading the discussion? Oh, 
But what's his title? Oh, the moderator was leading us step by step of the story. Well, this happened on Discovery. I'm like, um, look at your audience. We know the story. Anyways, that was a little annoying about that. Anything else about Discovery? Because I have something, another panel I attended I wanted to talk about. So, and that's the Lower Decks panel. So as listeners might know, Lower Decks is a half hour comedy show animated that's coming to us um, spearheaded by Mike McMahon of, of Rick and Morty. So it is probably a bit more adult. And I don't think we learned like a huge amount different at this panel, but I am excited about this show. I've, I've become progressively more excited that, that it's a really interesting and they talked about about the the different characters and um i don't know where, did you guys attend that panel yeah would i mean and and i have to say because i'm excited about the show what do you think um amy about lower decks and what you've seen well it was interesting because we got to see well were they here last year no okay it wasn't announced last oh year. okay <laughs> all right yeah it was really interesting because they went through with each of the writers and sort of told their Trek story and got me a little bit excited. And that cute little girl who, you know, watched Darmok and got really, Oh yeah. Yes, that's right. And she got really emotional and just sort of, it just came into the family and yeah, I am very excited um, in part because I think the Orville and Seth MacFarlane has helped me get some humor because I tend to not have any, but I am looking forward (laughs) to it. (laughs) Um, so yeah, and the breaking news that we got was that when they showed the images, they were blinking. So we got some animation. Eat that, SDCC. Does that count as a, like a trailer? Like a teaser? Yeah, got a blink. Yeah, I missed the Lord X panel. I thought I was getting in at the, the beginning, but it happened to be the end of it. So yeah, that didn't happen for me. But thanks to Justin... And his like word by word account of what happened with photographs, I feel like I was there. So that was awesome. Can't wait for that. But like I've said a million times before, if it's got Star Trek on the label, I'm watching the hell out of it. Yeah, so I think I had expected maybe they'd have a trailer or something, but I think Mike McMahon was saying it isn't far enough along in the process for them to feel like it's finished enough to give a trailer. And I was like, okay, but I, I wish we would have gotten more, but we'll get more soon and it's supposed to come next year. So it's it's not that long. But one of the things they added that I don't know if they talked about at Comic-Con was that this is like a support ship and it focuses on not on first contact, but on second contact, which is kind of a funny idea. He's like, yeah, they're, you know, they're just like setting things up, finding out what are the good restaurants, providing like reviews like they're the Yelp of Starfleet. So like the more I hear him talk about it, it's just it's just like a funny idea. But but I know that like he's a big Star Trek fan. A lot of the people that are writing are Star Trek fans. I think it will be respectful. And I think there have been lots of funny moments within Star Trek and lots of funny episodes. There hasn't been like a comedy focused show, but I think it's totally doable and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, they were giving examples of, you know, that Star Trek, there's funny moments and they each sort of gave an example. And one of them was like when Data grew his beard. I mean, that's funny, you know, so it's like that they're seeing that in what we already know and then just compiling it and shrink wrapping it to steal a phrase from William Shatner <laughs> shrink wrapping it to fit into a 30 minute and just you know a more lighthearted comedy 
sequel. And we have had 30-minute Star Trek shows before. That was the animated series in the 70s, which I, I love. So I, I think it's definitely possible. Um, and I think one of the other things that came out of this this panel was that Mike McMahon loves B stories. So he loves to focus on, you know, hey, there's this big dramatic thing like happening in a TNG episode, but he loves like the B story where like something kind of unrelated is happening that might be funny. So I think that's cool because there are a lot of great B stories in, in Star Trek. So not much news, but I'm still excited every time I hear about it and I'm looking forward to it. Was was there anything about TNG really? Like <laughs> Well, thank you for that lead-in because I, after, was telling Zach, there is a very distinct missing of our next gen. Now, we did have, I mean, there were people there, but I didn't see them all lined up, you know, signing autographs, taking pictures like they normally are. So I missed that in my vendor's room. Uh, there wasn't a big panel of them like we're used to seeing. Uh, the only panel that they had, one panel, LeVar Burton and Michael Dorn. Now, now, hold on. That was a TNG panel. Now, Brent Spiner came out and talked about Picard, and it was he was solo. And I loved hearing him, but it was, I think, in my opinion, a Picard-centric. And, of course, it's going to be, you know, Next Gen is with it. But he was there to talk about Picard. Then we had Gates McFadden. She was on, but she was on a doctor's panel, which we had all the doctors, including Wilson Cruz, that came in. That was wonderful. So there just wasn't a TNG. And listeners, I am distraught because Marina Sirtis was not here. So to me, this, this whole con has just been, you know, awkward without her. Oh, I miss her. Why did you come? Don't come next year. Like, I won't either. So just there's no point. She's going to come next year. Life is terrible, isn't it? It is. <laughs> what are we going to do? How did you feel about that? Was did you feel there was a TNG? Did you feel there was a TNG presence? No, but like I said earlier, um, I haven't really done many panels. I think I did two today and two previously because it's not about the panels anymore for me. It's about it's about you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love you guys. Yeah, it is interesting because I hadn't thought about it until I realized we were talking all about Discovery and Lower Decks. And when we were talking earlier today, we were not really talking that much about TNG. I mean, Jonathan Frakes and Jonathan Delarco were here, but it was pretty much all about Picard, which is which is great. But it is interesting, the contrast, because two years ago, there was this huge you know, TNG panel and you had Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes actually wasn't there that year because he couldn't make it or something. But But, but everybody else was here. And, yeah, and then last year there were more TNG panels. It's it's just interesting to see. I mean, of course, the focus is going to be on Picard and all that, but uh, I think it is a shame that there wasn't quite as much for TNG panels. But, you know, if Marina Sirtis was here, you would have forgiven all of it, though, right? Yes, absolutely. But she was, you know, over in London doing her play, so I, I can forgive that. Uh, but she will be on the cruise, and I'm really thinking I'm going to hop on that as a stowaway. Yeah. Amy Nelson, you get far too many holidays anyway. It's like you work, what, 180 days out of the year? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I have to work 15 more than that. I remember. You should be a teacher, Justin. That's awesome. Now, listeners, we do have, since we have joking and in person, the best part of the show. 
Yes, the best part of the show. So, Joe, why don't you tell us what's going to happen here? Okay, so I thought it'd be interesting, since we're all here in Las Vegas together, and since we started this, well, we've only had one instance of our new tradition with the Scottish language section, um, and we discussed the word NAF, and we brought NAF to the Trek FM network, um, and Tim Robertson's hideous gnomes. Yes. We'll find out where he lives and smash them all up. I won't do that. Um, so, I have brought some sweet delicacies all the way from Scotland, and we're going to taste test them. Now, uh, it just occurred to me that when you have like food programs on radio and you hear people eating, it mm-hmm. really drives me to, to, to distraction. Um, people should not eat and hold a mic at the same time. Yeah, Justin has a su- suggestion. Yeah, my suggestion for that is that I'll give the play-by-play because I'm not going to be eating these. I don't tend to eat sweet stuff. Anyway, so, so, all right, but Joe, what have we got first? Okay, so, first thing, well, Amy, why don't you choose something? We have four things to choose from. Why don't you choose one? Okay, well, I have some Jaffa cakes to choose from. I have some shortbread, all butter shortbread. I have some mini snowballs and then a can of... Iron brew. Iron brew. I R N. Iron. It's like the metal. But yeah, but there's no O. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Um, I will try the snowballs. Look, my least favorite. So I'm going to start with that and hopefully end on a high note. <coughs> there's many high notes to be had here. So snowball is basically um, like kind of fluffy marshmallow covered in chocolate, um, and then coconut, desiccated coconut. They are Utterly delightful. Um, it is. Yeah. We're going to post some pictures on the Babel Conference. Okay. So, Amy, it's customary just to do it in like one bite. One bite? Yeah, Ooh, it's go. squishy. I know it's squishy. It's marshmallow. Okay. Here. Amy is, is busy eating this very chewy, chewy, chewy thing. <laughs> and it's like making a gesture. She says it's taking up her whole mouth. So I take that as a good sign, maybe. I don't know. And uh, Joe is passing them around the, the room to because there's not just the three of us here. There's also Zach on audio and his, <laughs> there's also Sarah and Lance here. So they're all trying this snowball thing. I'm going to cut in here, guys. It was really good. It was really good. Carry on. It's a great show. Great show. It's his reward for watching the levels on this. Uh, so snowballs. Is this like one of your favorite things, Joe? I am now diabetic, so that's fine. Um, no, um, I love the the fact that they're so easy to eat. And it's just literally like 110% sugar. But there's coconut, so that counts as a vegetable. So it's like, it's like a salad. It's super healthy. Yeah, the coconut really does save it. I'm not, did you, that's not really marshmallow. I would say it's more of like a... Whipped like a, cream. No, it's definitely marshmallow. It's not been set into like what you guys. Okay, so yeah, before. it's not yeah American what we are thinking of a marshmallow. Yeah. It's it's more like a whipped cream consistency, but a thick whipped cream with uh, yeah coconut, and the coconut saved it. But yeah, you put it in, and it just envelops your whole mouth, and it's like, can you move your tongue from the roof? It's interesting. If you don't brush your teeth, then. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
No, if you don't brush your teeth within 10 minutes. <laughs> your, teeth your teeth are going to fall out. Yeah, I'm sugar high, definitely. Joe is losing it on his sugar high. <laughs> Justin, can't we tempt you, no, given no. how giddy everyone no. is with... Okay. No. Right, okay, Amy Nelson, please choose a second delicacy. Um, We're going to have Justin, you choose what comes next. Okay, we're going yeah. for the urn brew. The urn brew that you're saying. Iron brew. Urn brew. That's uh, my Scottish uh, accent. That's hugely <laughs> offensive. I know. Joe hates it when I do that. <laughs> okay. Okay, go for it. Put the mic up so they can hear me open the can. Oh, that's gonna be <laughs> What's that sensory sound thing where people like the, like the noise of... Okay, so, okay, this is a carbonated soft drink. It is the best-selling soft drink in Scotland. So it rivals kind of Coca-Cola, Pepsi, that kind of thing. Um, it is bright orange in colour. And... So not a cola? No. Is it an orange tasting? No. <laughs> T- it tastes of iron brew. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you Am I drinking it? It's drink out of the can. Okay. Yeah, what is that? Mm. Iron brew. <laughs> that is what, what, weird. What, what ingredients are in this thing? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> okay, so we have carbonated water, sugar, um, citric acid, flavorings, <laughs> including caffeine, caffeine, ammonium, ammonium, what? Ammonium ferric citrate, quinine, sweeteners. Okay, okay. I think it's like a Red Bull-ish. <laughs> No, but, but no, it's not a cola. It's not an energy drink. But it's not a cola. Well, it's like I suppose it's in the same family as like Sprite. It's a soft cola. drink, yeah, because yeah. carbonated, carbonated, sweetened, yeah. soft drink. Yeah. Are you? Do you I, like it? Yeah, but not the first. You always got to go back for the second taste. Have you had the second taste? Yeah. Oh, the third. Uh huh. Here's the third. Okay. Yeah, to me, it's like a Red Bull type of no. thing. That's I mean, I don't drink accurate. Red Bull a lot, but... Clearly never. Yeah. Okay. I just have to say here, I love how Earl Grey has become a food review show. <laughs> and I think in the end, we're going to talk more about this than today's panels. So this is a treat for you, Earl Grey listeners, if you're tired of us talking about Star Trek. I'm not entirely sure that any of this qualifies as food. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's all just sugar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, what should we try next? Joe? Let's try Was some short bread. Taking a picture of you drinking the thing? No, no. that's okay. <laughs> you <laughs> missed out. Needs to see that. Um, let's go for some shortbread. Okay. That's like that's uh, yeah, standard. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody knows shortbread. So what, what makes, makes it short? <laughs> um it's the ratio of like butter to flour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think I'm not yeah, entirely convinced right. of that yet. So what makes me laugh, like every shortbread you buy in the stores, um it says all butter. But like, that doesn't make any sense because there has to be other things in it. If it was all, all butter, butter, it would be in the butter section. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. What is it? ASMR. Is that what it's called? The yeah, the people that like the. Okay, so this thing. is crisp. Well, that's the packaging. Well, I know, but the shortbread. Yes. 
So is this a, is this a biscuit or a cookie? <laughs> We've had this discussion yes, before. Yes, we have. So here we go. So all shortbread is is butter, sugar, and flour. And it's baked until lightly golden brown. Do you want me to take a picture of you uh, eating this? Now, is this almond butter or no, just regular? Butter, cow butter. I mean, or almond flour? Does it no, have any flavoring? <laughs> okay. We're, we're Scottish. <laughs> just yeah, flour from a bag. Oh, this reminds me of those um, little cookies at Christmas time in the tin. Is that what those are? You're asking someone who doesn't really eat many oh, cookies, yeah. and Joe gave this this puzzled look like cookies in a tin. Like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, I think that is the uh, cookies in the tin at Christmas time, but I think they are shortbread, and these are good. Yeah, that's why they're so popular. People across the world love shortbread. Got it. Okay. Okay. Star Trek connection. So they would have those cookies in the tin at. Picard's like Victorian Nexus house, right? Probably, maybe. I'm trying to have some kind of relationship to what we usually talk about. Yeah. Sure. Why not? They might have the French version. They might have the French version of um, shortbread. Shortbread. Beer. Give me some iron brew. <laughs> Amy's about to fall into some kind of sugar coma at the moment. <laughs> or like maybe believe she can fly and jump out the window. <laughs> no, no. Okay. okay. All good? All good. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Feeling good. Now, this, the last thing that we have is not typically Scottish. It's a, a British, It's called, they're called Jaffa cakes. Right. Okay, but they're not really cakes. No. Um, well, Jaffa is a type of orange. Yeah, it's kind of a... Um, you get different types of apples, you get different types of oranges. Um, so they are little bits of sponge. Okay, little bits of sponge with like an, an or a set orange jelly on top and covered in dark chocolate. Is the dark chocolate all the way around? Or just, just on top. Just on top. Mm -hmm. So my sister famously was on a train from Oxford to Manchester a few weeks ago and she ate a whole bag of... Because you literally are small enough, like the snowballs, just to do one. Okay. okay. He just took them out of the the carton. Yeah. That was absolutely nothing what I was thinking. These are a cookie. These are not cakes. Why would you call them cakes? They're soft. No, they're not. They're soft. No. They're soft. Can be soft. Yeah. Cookies can be soft. <laughs> they're soft and squidgy. Okay. I'll continue opening. Listeners, that is that is deception right there. Because what I was thinking was an actual cake with frosting on it. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm more worried about what's on the back where there are people's faces as oh, part oh, of these things. No. Um, there's a thing. There, there used to be an ad back home for Jaffa Cakes um, where there was a woman with an accent. And I think she... Was she a teacher in a classroom? And she'd beaten Jaffa cakes. And she'd be like, um, full moon. <laughs> Half moon. <laughs> Don't say that clips. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Why is this audio only, guys? We are so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, okay. Can I try one? Try one, yeah. Okay. Okay. This is good. This is good, guys. And I said, you know, Justin, 
you mentioned that it's, it's crazy this has become a food re- review show. Your show is called Earl Grey, which is in itself a food item. So if there's anyone to do it, it's you guys. So very good. Very informative. Uh, yeah, actually, you're right. Okay. Earl Grey is a drink, food, whatever. Are you guys okay over there? Like, <laughs> This is the worst thing I've ever tasted. Ew. And we ended on this. I was hoping to go from worst well, you guys, to best. You guys chose the order. That... Why would you not like Amy Nelson's face is contorted like she's <laughs> she's got intestinal distress. Ew. Okay. So, okay, there's two things you can do with Jaffa cake. You can eat them like the full no, no, moon, half moon, total eclipse. But what is also quite customary is where, like the the radius of the the sponge mm-hmm. is more than the radius of the the orange jelly. So what you do, you basically nibble around the edges. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making this up. You nibble yeah. around the edges, yeah? Yeah. Okay. And then <laughs> what you do is you basically pick off all the chocolate. And not eat the orange stuff because that's the gross stuff. <laughs> well, that's amazing. That's the best bit. No, that's what that's makes why. it gross. So, no, you, so you nibble around the edges, pe- um, kind of pick off the chocolate, eat that. Then you peel off the orange bit, eat the sponge, and then eat the orange bit. Why wouldn't you do that? No, it's like the way you. It's gross. It's with the way. Have no. you ever? Do you guys have Kit Kats? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I do. That okay, so Kit you Kats, yeah. you kind of yeah. nibble all the chocolate around the the perimeter, then off the top and then off the bottom until you've got the wafer left. Yeah, hmm. I do that. Zach, okay. you like that? Okay. Yeah. Zach liked it, and uh, Joe liked it. You guys like it? Sarah liked it. Lance, did you like it? New dog. See, so Amy, you're weird. I didn't try it because I'm not going to try it, but. So, Amy, what was your favorite of all these bizarre things that Joe brought us? Mm. Sorry, I went back to the shortbread to get the gross taste of the Jaffa cakes out of my mouth. Okay, well, the snowballs were super, super sugary. Like, you could have one a year and be happy. Um, The Iron Brew, again, made me feel like I was drinking a Red Bull. Not that big on carbonation, but it wasn't bad. The shortbread, that's, we all know what that is. So that was good. I could eat that more often. And never, ever will I eat another Jaffa cake again in my life. So thank you for, ex- you know, introducing me to these amazing items. It's really interesting that the thing you didn't like isn't a Scottish thing, necessarily. So you kind of the snowball, the iron brew, or the urn brew, as you say, um, and the shortbread you all kind of were okay with. Mm-hmm. Well done. You pass. You'll get your citizenship certificate through any day soon. Yes. All right, listeners. Well, we have taken up enough of your time. Yes. So uh, let's just go through our final thoughts for our convention time here. Okay. Well, first of all, it's amazing. I met you before, Amy, of course, but I've never met you, Joe, and you are taller than i thought you would be so no but it's it's been great like seeing you guys all three of us being here together doing a podcast and doing one with ken and zach and and mike while we're here i mean the the panels were great it was just like overall you know a really great experience like like i would expect i mean stlv is great listeners if you haven't come you should because 
you're coming to visit Amy Nelson's town. So that's got to be the best thing. And I'll also close out because we're not going to do our like huge closing like we usually do. But I will say you can find me elsewhere on the network co-hosting uh, The Line, our new Star Trek Picard podcast with Brandon Shamatala and Chrissy Zalagi. You can find me on Twitter at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. And you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. And thank you guys for doing this. It's wonderful to do it in person. And I'm sure our listeners think we're totally insane after that food segment. So thank you for listening this far, guys. Yeah, we are totally insane. But I think it's purely through sleep deprivation and way too much alcohol. Um, No, Amy. (laughs) No, Amy. It's not. yeah, that was really fun. Convention, I don't know how each year the convention gets better. Um, year one, we met Heidi Stock, and you, Amy met Heidi um, this week as well, and Heidi's just an amazing human being. Um, last year, we, Heidi wasn't coming, so we thought, oh, we're going to have no friends. And then you end up having like all the friends in the world. And then this year, it's just... Like, as you guys say, off the hook, yeah? Um, and it's just been a <laughs> wonderful experience. I can use my Americanisms. From like 20 <laughs> well, I'm up to date. I'm down with the kids. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know what next year's going to be like, but I don't see how it's going to be better. Maybe if creation get the finger out and give us something exciting mm-hmm. and, like, San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. Oh, do I need to say where you can find me? You can find me in Scotland eating Jaffa Cakes. (laughs) You can also find me on Twitter at JoyJo77UK, hanging about the Babel Conference, um, chanting Rhea Papa Giorgio, because it wouldn't be right if I didn't say her name, at least twice, Rhea Papa Giorgio. Um, And also, you can email me at... What's my email address? (laughs) Oh, yeah, JoePodcasts at JoePodcasts at gmail.com. So I will guarantee you... Uh, a unique response if you email me. So thank you. Yep, the conventions, as you said, really do keep getting better and better, in part because of the people uh, that we meet. The uh, Trek FM dinner, that was very special. Uh, Thank you to all the listeners who came. And again, that's what makes the convention so much special and so important, Uh, just getting to be around good Trek fans, is what the convention is about. The panels are amazing. I talked about the teaching trek and, you know, I do hope they continue that because I think that they're, they really are listening to what the fans want. And I do believe that it's just going to be getting better and better. And I am looking forward to next year. I am coming and I'm already taking names for those people, listeners who have said, Oh, I can't come this year, but I'll come next. Don't think I haven't seen them. I've seen all the comments. Track you down. Amy will track you down. I, I can be persuasive when I need to. Um, but no, it's just absolutely uh, so amazing to have this time. Um, next year, again, will be better because I'm sure Marina will be here. But <laughs> that's just my opinion. Well, Troy. You can talk about her role in the Picard series, right? Yes, absolutely. So, listeners, if you want to find me, I'm here on the Babel Conference. Uh, I am also hosting The Edge, which is about Star Trek Discovery. I am on the Fandom Podcast Network talking about Discoville. Sorry. I'm on the Fandom Podcast Network (laughs) hosting Discoville, which talks about Discovery and the Orville. So, thank you for listening. 
Oh, wait. What is our closing? I think we should totally do that. Just have, I know. What is it? Oh, thank you for... Li oh, until next week. Have another cup of Earl Grey? Why do I not know this? Hold on. Things are only impossible until they're not. Great joy and gratitude. I don't like Amy Nelson anymore because she doesn't like Jaffa Cakes. Mm.